Hello and welcome to the 45th episode of Megaten Marathon. It's a game-by-game -game, uh, journey through the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. Um, I'm Paul M. Davis, and who am I here with? I'm Elisa James. And I'm Alex Dorado-Wolf. And we've got a special guest this time. Hi, I'm Robert. Uh, I will never have a last name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Before we actually start talking about the game, do you want to tell us, uh, Robert, do you want to tell us a little bit about your, like, you know, past with, uh, like, uh, Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games and interests and whatnot? Yeah, I'm not super, like, I've played a few of these and never gotten actually very far in them, aside from spinoffs. Uh, you know, like, it's not too hard to beat the dancing game or that one Metroidvania they made. <laughs> it's a good game. But uh, uh, other than watching the entire Giant Bomb Endurance run, I really like Fire Emblem, so I did try to get into this, and this is a nice, I feel like this is a nice baby's first persona kind of experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty spot on. So it's pretty perfect for me, who, like, is bad at games that require you to use strategy and planning. <laughs> i feel like this is, is a uh almost kind of like a dry run for persona 5 in certain ways but we can talk about that later because uh i don't think we actually uh talked about uh mentioned which game we are actually covering this time which is um tokyo mirage sessions sharp fe which uh you're the perfect guest to have on this one uh uh, Robert, because uh, this is ostensibly a crossover between Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem. Um, sort of. In <laughs> the loosest sense. It's very, very loosely. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very, very loose. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because it released on the uh, Wii U in Japan in uh, late 2015 and uh, worldwide in June 2016. Um, there has been some like internet lore that I've seen go around for several years that said that, you know, the claims that the original pitch for the game was some kind of like crossover between Shin Megami Tensei and Pokemon, but I've never found any like reliable sources that actually back that up. I wish we had um, gotten that game. Yeah, that would have been something amazing. <laughs> So, like, officially, uh, Nintendo approached Atlas with a proposal for a SMT Fire Emblem crossover in uh, 2011, which uh, Atlas turned down at the time because they had a lack of resources. Um, this is a common issue that uh, Atlas has had uh, in the post-HD uh, era. But um, I guess uh, discussions reopened in 2012, and... Uh, the game was first announced in early 2013, um, featuring character art from uh, both Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem. And it's really funny. I will add this to the show notes, but I'll, um, watching the teaser video that ran on a, a Nintendo Direct when they first announced it, they were really like making the case that you, this is like, you're going to get like the real deal, like Shin Megami Tensei yeah. and Fire emblem all like in like one game you know he's like he's got like the uh what is he uh the uh 
Demi Kid, Demi, I, I can't. Demi Fiend? Yeah, the Demi Fiend. Um, Demi Kids is something else. Demi Kids is a Fiend from uh, Nocturne shows up in there. Um, uh, the protagonists from uh, SMT4 show up. Uh, all kinds of like, just like classic, like Fire Emblem characters show up. You know, and it's, I mean, it's all like just, you know, stock character art, but. Um, yeah, it's very different than what we actually uh, got, um, which is sort of a, you know, as we were saying earlier, kind of a persona light that I think really probably has pulls more from Fire Emblem than Shin Megami Tensei. Definitely, like, pulls more from, like, the persona branch of SMT. Yeah. Um, you know, but really, like, does not like resemble either series uh very much but it's still very very kind of interesting game in certain ways basically um the game uh takes place in modern day tokyo and um kind of centers around uh these beings known as uh, mirages who uh seek to harvest an energy known as performa from humans and uh they're responsible for several uh disappearances of uh you know people like pop stars and all these other you know kind of like you know different like figures in japanese pop culture also worth mentioning here that this is uh somehow a uh pop idol game um yeah <laughs> exactly what you think of when you think uh, SMT and Fire Emblem. <laughs> well, it's, it's that thing where when you combine two things, you get a third thing. In this case, you combine, you know, a fantasy strategy RPG with, um, you know, a dungeon crawly demon summoning RPG, and you get, um, you know, Japanese pop music. <laughs> I have a conspiracy theory about this game that they came up with the name first and then built the game around that. <laughs> Because, I mean, TMS is SMT backwards. And then I think oh, yeah. they just came up with Tokyo Mirage and Sessions and then said Sessions kind of like music and then just went with that from there. Yeah, and then that can't the be shark. true, but in my mind, it will I feel true. like if they had based it off the game, we would have gotten something set in a desert, maybe? Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you know, that's that's the most like logical explanation i've i've come across as far as how this uh ended up this way so you basically uh your story is following a group of uh, teenagers um all of whom uh, are you know like pop idols or you know would-be pop idols or or their know, actors yeah yeah they're they're all you know all buddies and they become allied with their friendly mirages all of whom are based on uh, Fire Emblem characters. And they merge with them to become Mirage Masters. And they all work for the Fortuna Entertainment Talent Agency, which uh, serves as kind of their base of operations. And that's where they kind of like fight off Mirages and uncover the mastermind behind the attacks. I'm kind of curious before we kind of jump into it. Um, I have played a lot of Fire Emblem games. I'm not sure Alex and Lisa like. I played some, yeah. Yeah, I've played all of the pre DS Fire Emblem games. Oh, okay. nice! Yeah, I've played everything 
after the NES, but I've played the remakes of those NES games. And oh. I can't beat the like SNES games because they're really hard. They but, are. Uh, yeah. The, the oh more recent God. one. Yeah, no one has beaten Thracia. That's not no, real. No, that game is important. <laughs> the game, game doesn't have an ending. It just has a Pac-Man kill screen. So yeah. Someone proved me wrong. I, I could not beat that game. And then it says congratulations. It. And I tried so hard. But yeah. I, Safe states and the mode yeah, where I, you get double experience. Could not do it. <laughs> but I played the more uh, recent ones, which is suits you just fine because this game is all taken from the Marth games, which got remade on the DS and then... Uh, Awakening. Awakening. They all take yeah. place in one timeline anyway. So this is this game is canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um you know, as 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 much as uh you know um Persona Q or uh Fire Emblem Warriors are canon. Or um, or Heroes, which I also or, play. Uh, and don't yeah. don't do that. That's a MOBA game. Don't play that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I don't think I've played anything earlier than the Game Boy Advance ones. Um but uh, yeah, I think I've played everything since the GBA games. Lisa, do you want to uh, kind of give us an overview of the gameplay? Yeah, sure. So uh, basically, the as we were talking about, um, the battle system works by uh, you you basically chain uh, session attacks between your party members. It's supposed to like emulate the one more system of Persona Three, Four, and Five. Uh, however, there is a key difference. Unlike those games in which uh, it gives you, bo- it gives the same character bonus uh, attacks, and then you can keep stacking that as you target more weaknesses. The session attacks, what it does is it allows your party members to contribute additional attacks to kind of create like a building combo. And the key here is that in order for you to uh, build session attacks, your party members have to have uh, session skills that correspond with the element that was used to target the initial weakness. So for instance, if you have your character Itsuki, he uses Zeo, you know, hits that uh, that that weakness. Uh, your other party members have to have skills that correspond with that. So that's like electric type of skill so that way they can join in a session attack. So that's really the 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 nitty like the base of your of your um combat system like being able to build these sessions to increase the amount of attacks you, you know, pull off in a turn. And of course, being able to either wipe out, you know, half half the enemies or most of them before they can even attack because they will, they can and they will change session attacks on you as well. And this is used a lot of boss battles when they summon minions and they'll actually start attacking your weaknesses and then they'll change session attacks as well. <laughs> Um, so, uh, basically other parts of the gameplay is that, uh, we have, uh, carnage unity and radiant unity, and these are used to strengthen your, uh, party. Carnage unity, uh, uses 
performer, which are certain types of items that you receive, you know, after battles. Um, basically, these are essentially weapons for each character. And um, each weapon carries four skills that you uh, learn. You basically, as you level up, uh, you level up your weapon, and then your weapon teaches you a new skill, and that skill is a permanent skill. You have, of course, a certain limit of how many skills you can hold at one time. Um, what's cool, too, is that if you already have a skill learned and then a new weapon has that same skill, it'll actually stack on that skill and power it up. So, you know, this is that that aspect is very uh, Shin Megami Tensei. So I'll admit they, they, they did retain that part. Um, let's see. So basically the types of skills that you can inherit include command skills, uh, which allow party members to perform attacks and spells, passive skills, which offer passive stat boots and effects, um, session skills, which are used to chain together uh, session attacks. So we also have radiant uh, unities, which uh, they you use performer in order to um, acquire them. Basically, it's a power that's born from within each party member, so they'll have their own unique uh, radiant unities. Um, either they'll get them through the plot naturally, or you can get them through clearing side stories or by increasing a character's star ranking in battle. Um, so these are separate permanent skills from those inherited from weapons. Um, and they'll include like passive effects such as increased health or extended session uh, attacks as well as skills that can be performed in battle. Or in like the case of, let's say, Tiki, she'll give you uh, support skills like lowering the cost of items in the shop and things like that. Um, basically, in the game, you alternate between exploring dungeons in the idolosphere, uh, and then you also explore Tokyo while completing side quests and side stories. Side stories are uh, basically these little mini plots that revolve around uh, your party members. So, you know, they're like really cute little stories about them trying to build their own careers and like, you know, you learn a bit more about them. And once you complete them, you get special skills or you can get radiant unities. So they're very optional, but they're pretty worth doing. Um, there's also a really cool mechanic that the game uses. It's a kind of like a full-blown chat room, essentially, that operates solely on the uh, Wii U gamepad. And so, uh, you know, as you start, you know, uh, making friends, you'll see like the little icons at the top and they'll occasionally send you messages. Like there's a general chat where that's for all the plot stuff. So, you know, if something plot related happens and they need to tell you where you need to go next, they want to comment on that, it'll be there. And then like occasionally as you're going through, they'll actually start making like little comments to you, you know, like encouraging you or like talking about what's going on with uh, their own lives, or if they have like a side story, you know, they'll talk about that. It's very, very cute. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, it's one of the better uses of the Wii U gamepad, yeah. I think, in the console's life. I'd I, say. I agree, yeah. Definitely. There's a lot of character in it, too. You've got a lot of, like, everyone has their own custom emoji, and I was just really impressed the first time a character makes a typo and then corrects it. Yeah. <laughs> like someone on texting would might do exactly it was very cute and and also built in this as well as of course the uh, maps which is really handy of course that it goes right in the game pad so you don't have the ui of the screen itself cluttered um so 
going from uh let's see from going from that um we'll go into the uh prologue of the game so the game starts off with a cutscene. Um, it depicts a mass disappearance of an audience and the performance from a concert, with the sole survivor being a young 13-year-old girl who we later find out is Subasa, one of our protagonists of the game. Um, then we start the game proper with the protagonist Itsuki as he explores a bit of uh, the area of Daitama uh, while he's waiting for his friend Toma to arrive. So as he's exploring, uh, you start seeing this weird, like, kind of image of this uh, being cloaked in red that keeps flashing up. Um, At first, he flashes when the protagonist walks by, like, a mirror, and then there's, like, a glow in the protagonist's chest. And then Tsubasa, when we cut to her, uh, when she's on stage for this, like, like, idol competition, we see, like, a, a red kind of cloaked being near her and then, like, the same glow. Um, so yeah, so basically, um, we find out Subasa is trying out for an idol competition. Uh, during said competition, the announcer starts getting kind of real invasive and creepy and then starts like asking her these random questions about her oldest sister who was an idol and that she was one of the people who disappeared that five years ago in that initial scene we saw. And then, of course, surprise, you know, it turns out to be an enemy all along. You know, we didn't predict that. <laughs> so we, uh, we find out um, that Tsubasa's motivating force is to become an idol herself so she can look for her missing sister, you know. And she felt like this would be the best way because she can get more leads being in the actual same industry that her sister worked in. So... Um, Basically, after the announcer does all this, he sends out those weird red-cloaked, like, phantoms at the audience and starts absorbing um, their performer, which he explains is kind of like their energy. And then I think it was also mentioned, too, that, like, the more talented a person is, the more performer they have. So uh, he ends up kidnapping Tsubasa, and then he takes her into another world, which which is called the uh, Idolosphere. So, basically, Itsuki enters a a weird portal after Tsubasa, and he eventually finds her being choked out by uh, one of these, like, I'll call them red phantoms, Um, after after Rasengan-ing him, because, I mean, it it really doesn't look like anything else. (laughs) He he, he reverts into the the phantom reverts into, like, another mirage form um, called Krom, which we know is the protagonist of Final Awakening. Um, and then Itsuki does the same thing to another phantom and turns her into uh, Shida. That's her name is, right? Is that yeah, I think that's how, that's, that's how it sounds like they're yeah. pronouncing it. I didn't know that's until I played this game, though. Me it's neither. spelled S-H-I-D-A <laughs> or something like that in the old like fan translations of the uh, original Fire Emblem. So I just yeah, assume that's yeah. it. Okay, and this yes. is some fancy fantasy spelling. Because it's completely different. Yeah, I don't know how you get that from that. <laughs> but um, so basically, that um, turns uh, her into uh, Sheeta. You know, she's also from the first Fire Emblem um, game. And so once this happens, we're attacked by more phantoms, and this jump starts a tutorial battle, um, which is pretty straightforward. 
Uh, the leveling system I thought was interesting. It's pretty similar to Fire Emblem in the sense of like the random uh, uh, stat gains. Yeah, I was really happy that was in the game. That's one of my favorite parts of Fire Emblem, those random stat gains I love. Yeah, same. They've used that same yeah. little jingle for years, yeah. so it's just uh, a real dopamine <laughs> squirt every time you get a level Absolutely. up. It is. <laughs> so eventually, after wandering around a bit more, and you keep getting messages, um, meanwhile, like Toma, he keeps sending you messages asking, like, where you are and what's going on. Um, so you obviously are getting hints that Toma clearly knows something about the idolosphere. Um, so eventually you end up encountering the game's first boss, which is the transformed, uh, form of the announcer. Um, well, more like the, whatever Mirage is possessing the announcer and it kind of transforms his body. So before the battle, Toma does manage to catch up with you. And then of course it turns out he's a Mirage master as well. And his partner is Kane, um, another character from the first Fire Emblem's uh, title. Uh, the boss itself is really easy, not you know nothing noteworthy. It's basically Baby's first you know little boss battle. Um, afterwards, you're rescued by another performer and a master um, named uh, Kyria uh, when you fail to make your escape. And then later on, Toma brings you to meet Michael, who's the head of the uh, Fortuna Entertainment Talent Agency, and also the organization that fights against the threat of Mirage. Yeah, one thing that is very weird to me is that, so that, you know, in Fire Emblem, you've got the weapon triangle, you've got swords and spears and axes, and they have this rock, paper, scissors relationship. So the first three characters in this game are a sword, a spear, and yeah. then another spear. And that bugged the heck out of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's still in the game. Like, yeah. if you see an enemy with a sword, you're going to use it. It works just like you want it to. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't it seem kind of nonsense. Why couldn't it have been an axe guy? But... It's fine. <laughs> it just, like, upsets my sense of symmetry. It could have had, I don't know. Yeah. It Barst or Bartra yeah, or whatever exactly. that guy's name it's is. Just, I don't know. And I do feel like that decision does kind of just, uh, it feels like the enemies were designed with the idea that, oh yeah, you'll probably have an ax. And then, no, you don't. Yeah. And like flying enemies are weak to bows, which is also a bright thing. There's some of that. But then you just have the elements and some of the enemies are just monsters. So and chapter one starts uh, after the meeting with Maiko, you go to the Bloom Palace, which is kind of this uh, pocket dimension in the back of Fortuna Entertainment. And you meet Tiki, who is, well, she's Tiki from the first Fire Emblem. She's a little girl who changes into a dragon. And actually, I don't think they talk about that yet. But anyway, she's a dragon, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's also a Vocaloid in this game. They made a Vocaloid over, which I like. He's Hatsune Miku. And, you know, you can do your unities here. And that's just her mechanical use. And then Maiko 
And the best. It also has like the best joke in the game. If you look at her stats, where it says like weight like one point five gigabytes. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, and Maiko uh, forces Itsuki and Subasa to like actually do work and be talent people. So and be idols or whatever. So you go to Uzume Studio and meet the idol trainer Barry Goodman, uh, one of my <laughs> I don't know, maybe calling one of my favorite characters is wrong, but he's he's interesting. Uh, he's like a former guitarist for an American rock band. So he his vocal barks are just random English words and phrases, which I love. <laughs> but he's also a giant weeb. <laughs> Apparently yes. his solo albums have sold millions of copies. Oh, yeah, he's supposed to be a big deal. And yeah, now and for now some he, reason he's living now in he Japan. he just lives and, in Japan and trains pop stars in dancing. <laughs> but he's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's a fun addition to the cast. And then Kiria shows up and gives its key and Tsubasa tickets to her concert. Uh, yeah, I think it's her concert with Yashiro. Yeah, I believe Another. so, yes. Yeah, just another guy we haven't met who's also a star. But of course, uh, that gets interrupted by a mirage attack. Subasa's sister, Ayaha, who disappeared five years ago, is being controlled by one of the mirage. And she hurts Kiria while Kiria is trying to protect Subasa. I've kind of forgotten. When do you get Kiria on your party? Um, you get her at the uh, end of this chapter. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, at the okay. very, very right, end. She yeah. got injured and is out of commission for this chapter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Because her uh, her mirage is fun as well. Yes, I love her mirage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get that when we get her anyway. So dungeon here now. You're in back in the idolverse or idolosphere. <laughs> you know, I don't know where that A comes from. <laughs> uh, like the thing with this dungeon is there's like one puzzle mechanic where there are these giant dolls or giant not even dolls just dresses yeah kind of over like a doll frame that you can crawl through the sleeves you get these switches that will like change the pose of the doll so now you can get from floor two to floor three or whatever these goddamn dolls like <laughs> i i don't know why i had the hardest time with them but like yeah i can see it it's it's a weird visual spatial thing you gotta kind of figure out yeah <laughs> And along the way, you meet this big shot producer named Hanataka, who just kind of runs off and doesn't do much right now. Then eventually, you do get to Ayaha, and you learn that she had... She was kind of conflicted about being an idol. Uh, I don't remember exactly what she says. Um, I think basically she was just going on about how uh, she felt like she was inferior, like to like like she she was pointing out that people with more talent than her, you know, would lose out of favor and things like that. And then it's like, so what kind of future would someone like her have? Someone who doesn't have that kind of natural talent, and you know, it's like no matter how hard she worked, she'd feel like that she was gonna just fail eventually, and so that was always plaguing her. Oh yeah, it's like um, imposter syndrome, really. Exactly. That's that's very relatable, actually. It is. And Tubasa is trying to reach out to her, but Ayaha can't even hear her. So she kind of leaves, and Tubasa decides she's definitely going to sing a song to get Ayaha to listen to her. <laughs> so you have to go back to Fortuna and 
she gets her radiant unity for her resolve to sing a song. <laughs> and then there's more dungeon, more dolls. You go back up and then you get a scene where Tsubasa does sing her song for Ayaha and breaks Ayaha out of the spell, out of the control of the mirage. Uh, and then Tsubasa gets a cool new Pegasus ride that she kind of doesn't use. Like ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was very upset. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been that would have been good. Uh, or she could like I mean, uh, Kane is a cavalier in the games, and he's just a motorcycle in this. Yeah, which is, and they don't even use the I, motorcycle I, I, in the game, so it's like, what's the point of any of this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it looks cool. Yeah. That's that's about yeah, it. Yeah, it looks cool in the cutscene exactly. Yeah, so then the boss is against uh, Aversa, who's just one of the bad guys in Awakening, Fire Emblem Awakening. She's, she's just like an evil mage in that game. There's nothing really interesting about her from the plot. <laughs> I like her verse. <laughs> I, I, I might just be misremembering. It's been years. I understand, I mean, yeah. I thought she had yeah. a really cool design in this game, too. Like, I really like that whole centaur, that look that they gave her. It was, just, it, it was a cool idea to blend the um, dark flyer aspect of her with that yeah Yeah. she's like a pegasus centaur yeah that was very cool Mm -hmm. yeah if you can get past the fact that these characters do not look like the way they're supposed to look the fire (laughs) emblem characters like some of them look pretty cool actually like in sort of like i mean they look weird like weird like i don't know they kind of look like weird and like max yeah Yeah, there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of uh, good looking yeah. character designs. I'm not too worried about them not looking like sword people because motorcycles are cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, the boss itself is still pretty just like the standard kind of boss fight. Yeah, it's harder than the last one, which makes sense, but it's not like complicated or anything. You can still do your buffs, your debuffs, and just fight her like normal. And then when you beat her, Shibuya goes back to normal. Everyone goes back to the office. Yeah, and that's when Kyria joins as a party member, and she has uh, Tharja as her mirage yep. of magic. Uh, <laughs> Tharja's from Awakening, and she's she's one of my favorite characters in that game too. She's just like the I'm a big fan of Tharja. Yeah, she's really popular. That's why that's why she's in this game. I'm sure. <laughs> just like mm-hmm. a uh, antisocial dark mage. Yeah, uh, and Ayaha joins the office team. No one ever comments about the fact that she was missing for five yeah, years that, and just came back. Yeah. <laughs> There's never any <laughs> no lasting like, damage. So the nothing. way the game starts off, it seems like, <laughs> yeah. oh, the big mystery of what happened to her sister. Nope. First dungeon or like after the. Like, yeah. It's like, no, uh, she's back and now she works here. And she's like, hey, I'm here now. <laughs> so that's that. So that's yeah, your character just motivation behind a desk resolve, for the entire I rest guess. of the game. Uh, you know, you, you wanted to become an idol to find your sister. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets yeah, it gets weird from here because I expected the rest of the chapters to be about different party members and not Tsubasa every time. Yeah, it's true. Well, she, she's learned how to spin. She's learned how to dance. Uh, and model. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do like the the character side stories I like, but it's interesting that that stuff didn't get integrated into the main story. Which would have made more. Uh, speaking of which, yeah. between chapters, there's like an intermission where you can just spend as much time as you want doing side quests and the side stories and things like that until you choose to advance the game. Yeah. Uh, anyone have anything interesting to say about the uh, side quest and the first intermission? I don't think there's any that like really jump yeah. out like early on. 
Yeah, I, think, I don't think you got access to too many. You've got uh, Toma trying to be like a Sentai hero, which I'm into. Yeah. Just as just <laughs> on general principle, but doesn't get super interesting yet. And then uh, Tiki gets one. Uh, I think like this uh, this person who does a lot of the Vocaloid songs for her. I think her screen name oh, was right. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it was what was it? Tiki is my waifu. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah, was equals waifu. Yeah, exactly. And then um, you have to find out like why does she disappear? And it turns out she somehow got into the idolosphere. And you got to run. It, it was actually a lot of fun. I thought that one was very cute. Yeah, and also because she's a girl, she's like the least troubling depiction yeah, of a queer no, person a really in a persona. Job. That is very they true. Did a good job. It, just, it yeah. was. I mean, it is. My only question is. You say queer person if it if they're in love with a computer program is that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's just that's just being yeah. normal otaku stuff. Also, I, <laughs> I do just want to note how weird it is to have a virtual pop star in a game, a video game, a virtual story about pop stars. So it's like two layers deep there. There we go. Like... <laughs> I'm playing a game about yeah fake anime pop stars, and then in that there's a fake anime pop star. I don't weird. Um. Doesn't add up to anything, but <laughs> just something that <laughs> crossed my mind. After you do your intermission side questy things, uh, you go into the uh, training studio to progress the plot. Um, then uh, some amount of time has passed. Um, the game's treatment of time is weird. Uh, it like is. It, it, it doesn't tell you how much time has passed. Uh, but clearly time has elapsed. Uh, Tsubasa has like a CD and stuff out now. Um, so anyway, but the, the chapter opens with you and uh, Toma at the uh, 7-Eleven talking about how some models have disappeared <laughs> um, <laughs> and how that's weird and probably has something to do with all the people who have been disappearing because of mirages. Um, and uh, you decide to go uh, visit Tsubasa at the uh, at the studio. Before you can leave the 7-Eleven, there's a weird sales clerk with a black frost mask at the closed cash register, and that's where you buy the magic item. Uh, the things that... Yeah, it's... It, we gotta, I gotta stop you there. It's it's, it's not the 7-Eleven, <laughs> oh, it's the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Black frost <laughs> 7-Eleven. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's where you buy the things that it wouldn't make sense for, um, you know, a regular convenience store to sell, which is, you know... Good on them for, uh, you know, deciding not to just have, uh, you know, a convenience store selling, you know, attack up. Attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so you can buy some special stuff there, including like just, uh, you know, your uh, attack and magic mirrors, some special healing items, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, so then you head off to uh, studio just as she's finishing her practice and uh, 
another performer, uh, Ishiro, enters, and he's just a jerk and is mean to everyone for no reason. But apparently he's like super great pop star man, and he can be a jerk because he's the best. Um, <laughs> and uh, you end up with a ticket to his concert. Um, and you go back to the office, and then you meet uh, Mamori, who's a cute kimono girl and hosts the microwave-based cooking show. And it is one of my favorite <laughs> things in the game, actually. <laughs> Because they just play it totally straight and you see multiple episodes, all of which just end with, and then you wrap it in tinfoil and put it in the microwave. Or plastic wrap, wrap it. Uh, I tinfoil. mean, I'd watch a show oh, where man. like a 12-year-old just put tinfoil just... in the microwave. I mean, yeah, so would I, but this is a serious cooking show. Um, yeah. For children where there is one recipe. Yeah, but she seems nice. Um, doesn't do anything in this episode, but good to meet her. Um, then Subasa finds out that she... Uh, is going to be doing some modeling now um, because you've got to do all of the things. Um, and uh, you bring up to uh, Maiko that, uh, hey, models have been disappearing. Here she should be doing the modeling. Like, yeah, <laughs> go, go check that out. See, what, see what's up. Um, so um, you head over to the observatory where... Yeah, yeah, Daitama Observatory. It, what is that place? It does not look like an observatory it's, to me. It does. Apparently, though, that is actually a real place. Because I remember when I went to a preview event like years ago for this game with Nintendo. And I was speaking with one of the, um, the, the, the people there. And they were actually telling me that this is actually like a real kind of weird observatory place that they have in that area. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Cause why would you make up a weird, like yeah. that's cool. carnival pop observatory? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, all these places are really actually real, which is, which I yeah, thought was is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Like I know Shibuya. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't mean Shibuya. <laughs> but yeah, but no, like it, it looks like when I've seen pictures of the real place, they seem to like, yeah, like literally this, kind of you know not realistic yeah, and, by any yeah. means but uh, and as we know everyone in shibuya is uh, kind of a, a pastel silhouette um <laughs> yeah no it's the land of ghosts i was wondering if yeah, you were going to mention just, that actually uh, yeah that is a cool kind of aesthetic choice the game makes um instead of rendering like you know just the actual models of the random people on the street they're just kind of pastel colored silhouette it, it's a cool visual effect it, it's a it's a good choice i think um, it is. I, I it's really stylish. Um, I bet it was like uh, oh, yeah. Atlas trying to like cut some corners on uh, oh, how many oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, like you know the Wii U is maybe less powerful than other, but it looks cool. You know, it, you know, limitations. You know, giving rise to uh, you know good creative things. So good job on the pastel silhouette. Um. You know, they could have easily just been like those weird, like triangles with the floating dot over them, uh, like you get in some of the old SP games. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So anyway, so you you go down to the uh, Pop Observatory, um, and you run into uh, that uh, producer guy uh, who you rescued at the previous dungeon, and he's like, "Hey, you're the guy from the plays. I remember you, but what?" 
Where are you from? What's going on? And he just really seems like he wants to know what happened because apparently people can't really remember what goes on in the idol sphere if they're not a mirage master. Um, but then Toma shows up and is like, oh no, he's going to remember stuff. Let's go. Bye. And he's like, oh, I wanted to know what that was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it turns out at the uh, observatory that uh, the photo shoot hadn't gone well and was already over and kind of it's a little vague but um back at the office uh yeah you find out a little bit more and that um there was something weird going on with the photographer and that the models that he photographs are disappearing um and yeah he's possessed by a thingy and uh you have to go to the idol sphere again uh to fight him mm-hmm. right, um so yeah this um this dungeon is a kind of cool magazine themed thing. And there are like cameras set up and you can't cross the path of the camera or else you get warped back to the beginning. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, One of the characters has like a, like a skill you can use on the overworld to, you can see the camera's lines of sight, which makes that way less frustrating than it would be otherwise. Um, Which is quite useful. Um, Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't actually realize that was a feature. I just sort of plotted the it out. Oh myself. yeah, um, yeah. I think Kyra. <laughs> yeah, I think it's on the. Kyra map. has like a, a oh, thing okay. you can use for ten magic points that just makes them like these big glowy purple walls. Oh okay. Oh wow! I really yeah. didn't know that. All right, thanks. No, no, it's that. It was very useful. Um, I, I found the layout of this dungeon to be uh pretty complicated. Like that, the dungeons in this game overall yeah. um, have a nice amount of kind of involvement to them overall. I felt, um, you know, it's not just walk mm-hmm. forward until you get to the end. You do have to pay attention to where you are and how things link up. Um, yeah, which exactly. I appreciate. Yeah, and they all have their own like very kind of like unique kind of gimmick yeah. to them. Yeah, they get a little more complicated as you go too, uh, which is yeah because right now we have like. One puzzle yeah. per dungeon. You know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of puzzly dungeons, but I do like dungeons where I have to think a little bit about where I'm going. Otherwise, it's kind of a random battle. But yeah, it's a. It, I feel like these are light yeah. enough puzzle elements. No, yeah, exactly. Just kind of you know, it, walk it around nicely. this camera. Um. So uh, yeah, you go through this, um, and then uh, about uh, halfway through, you find uh, like three of the models, and. You fight a, bo- a mid-boss thing to uh, save them, and you do. Um, yeah, and then a uh, new element is introduced where you can open these locks, which, like, unfurl these paper plat- paths, which kind of change the way you navigate the dungeon. Um, oh, we forgot. I forgot to mention that uh, your boss lady, Maiko, uh, was kidnapped by the photographer. I missed that. Oh, yep. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Whoops. That's why you're there. Um, although you'd be there even if she weren't. But it gives you a little bit of added motivation. Um, forget when exactly you find out that they have kind of a history together back in the day. Um, at least hinted at. Um, but you get to the end and you find yeah. her like frozen with his camera powers. And then he uses his camera to like stop your mirages 
and then you have to leave. Um, <laughs> and then, then you go to Yashiro's concert for some reason, um, because <laughs> I really didn't understand no. the scene. I was <laughs> no, I was just oh, like, no. what? <laughs> uh, it, well, like obviously, you know, you need to learn how to beat the camera power, um, and by watching this guy's pop concert. You, you saw you, you solve a lot of problems in this game by watching uh, J-pop music videos, um, because because these these aren't concerts, yeah, really. Because well, there's this is the concert where the set list is one song. Yeah, exactly. They sing one song, and also there are incredibly elaborate special effects that could never be achieved on a stage live. Um, <laughs> and the music is bad. Um, you know, really awful. <laughs> I, I, the the ones they use for attacks later, I usually found catchy enough in those bursts. I'll say, yeah, that. I, I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't even, I don't dislike J-pop, uh, just on a sonic level. Like it's not aesthetically my kind of music, but there's plenty of J-pop songs I've heard that are very nice and catchy and I like them. These aren't that. These are, these are, these are no. bad and boring. Um, <laughs> really are. The, the music videos um, do have some cool <laughs> animation and ideas though. So I'll give them that. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, so you watch Yashiro's concert and yes, uh, this help. <laughs> <laughs> And so then you go back uh, <laughs> to the office after the concert while your boss is still kidnapped. Um, and uh, you run into, uh, oh, what's the name again? Uh, Hatanaka. Hatanaka, yeah. the producer guy. And uh, that he yeah. was hoping to run into Maiko and kind of drops that she and the photographer were like, have a history together and that they did this great photo album together that's like a masterpiece and that you should learn from it to beat the magic camera. So you find it on the bookshelf and it's the best thing ever. These are the best glamour photos. They're the highest art. Um, this is what happens when you, it's important for your plot that someone be really good at something, but you yeah. don't know how to depict that. Yeah. <laughs> So everyone just has mental breakdowns over how yeah, good it's it is. Apparently, really good. And oh my god, <laughs> it turns out that our boss lady is actually hot. Wow, because. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Tubasa learns from the photographs how to have her picture taken good. <laughs> Again, I'm not trying to d diminish, you know, um, the role of the model in the um, in the photo shoot and you know those skill sets, but I don't get it. Um, I'm I'm sure it's just it's not appropriate. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just it, it made me feel kind yeah. of like uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but apparently, uh modeling is like singing and that you are expressing yourself to others uh by mm -hmm. but instead of 
thinging, you're having a picture taken. Um, but yeah, so she uses the poses and stuff, and then there's a boss fight because they beat the camera magic. Um, and uh, Gangrel, who is another villain from Awakening, uh, who's the mirage that was possessing him, uh, yeah, shows up, and then <clears throat> then you have uh, the boss fight there, and yeah, this one's a little bit more involved. Um, he summons uh, backup minion guys um, and has some pretty powerful attacks and, you know, can do multiple actions. Um, but yeah, it, I, I didn't find it too difficult or anything like that. Um, anyone else have any uh, thoughts about the boss fight? Mm, I just thought it was a nice little touch that... Um that uh, he, he summons minions kind of like how he did in uh, Awakening, you know, like to take the attacks for him. I thought that was a really cool touch. I also like his design a lot, and his uh, the boss animations were really cool. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed that. Yeah. No, um, I, I think, um, like, the animations in this game are generally quite good. Um, yeah. You know, they, they clearly kind of picked and chose where they were going to spend their budget in this game, and... Um, that was definitely an area where they made a point of, uh, you know, doing a good job. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, so then you 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 beat the the mirage, and the photographer comes back to normal and is like, "I'm sorry, I was a jerk. Um, I guess models aren't so bad." Yay. Um, <laughs> and then they, uh, <laughs> yeah, they have a photo shoot which is apparently great where Tsubasa wears a stupid outfit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Which I think you can buy all these outfits uh, to wear later. Yeah, later on you can. There's there's one for Tsubasa I put her in immediately that's like at the end of her uh, side quest (laughs) storyline that I won't spoil, but it's good. (laughs) This one is like overalls and a sideways baseball cap. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't get it. Like the other outfits are fine. That one I don't get. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the photo shoot goes well, and then uh, there's also this blonde lady there who I was confused and didn't know who she was, but just kind of plops in there, and um, yeah, and she's going to be important a little later. Um, yep. Yeah. This is true. So she's, yeah, I guess it's around here that uh, she does officially introduce herself. She's uh, Eleonora, and she's um, also a Mirage Master, and she's she's worked in Hollywood. Hollywood? Yes, Hollywood. Wow. <laughs> she says Hollywood. Tell me more about what you were doing in Hollywood. <laughs> um, so... Like one of her parents was Dutch, which you can realize because she's got like green, yeah, suspender looking things. Um, <laughs> she's about she's a couple of steps away from wearing like wooden boots and being a window. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. too many steps. Windmill themed attack. I can see it. Um, but yeah, so uh, then back at the mm-hmm. office, uh, you talk with the rest of the uh, the group about uh, hmm. How there must how there's an, it must be a super evil mirage perpetuating all of the mirage attacks. 
and hmm, whoever could it be? Um, they must be possessing a key entertainment figure. Um, gee, who, who have we met who's a key part of the ent entertainment industry who's also a mean jerk? Could be. Could <laughs> be behind this. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess you know. I guess we'll find out uh, at, at the end of the game, much like Zone uh, of Five, uh, when you find out uh, <laughs> who that mysterious evil man was. Find out that the uh... <laughs> I was the villain all along. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that's the end of that chapter. Um, and we get uh, intermission two, and some more stuff opens up. You can now go to Harajuku, um, and there's an arena there, um, and some more side quests. Um, yeah. Um, see, were there any fun ones this time? Um, oh, this one had a. You did a side quest where your boss has a hangover, and you have to cure her hangover. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find out her hangovers are because she is very dedicated. Yep. <laughs> Except you, 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 you don't actually have to drink when you do that. Like you can have like one drink and then just switch to water, and then the people who are drinking won't notice. Like that—that's what—that's what you actually <laughs> do when you have a job that involves like going out and drinking with people. Uh, you, you don't want to actually get. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, you just, you take that level up, you take yeah, that, you get that passive, passive ability. ability. Um, yeah, when you complete non-player character side quests, you get cool passive abilities, like items cost less, you sell items for more, um, things, you know, just general passive effects. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, anyone else uh, have anything interesting they remember about Intermission 2 or the arena or any of that stuff? Um, there was one little cool little thing um, that basically, if you speak to the mirages around the arena, um, you enter demon negotiations, which is, of course, you know, a uh, mainstay of the Shimagami Tensei series. And if you're successful in those negotiations, you get performers, reward. And I thought it was really cute. I like when they like pepper the game a bit with like these nice little references and like little mini gameplay mechanics from, you know, Fire Emblem and uh, Mega Ten. So I thought that was a cute touch. Yep. Kind of wraps it up for, uh, wraps us yeah. up here, right? Unless anybody yep. has any, anything else. Well, I guess I should probably just say that the entire pop music theme of this game makes me uncomfortable. Um, I'm all for art saving the world, but having it be just some incredibly corporate form of art really bugs me. Like, man, I... Yeah. It is very, like... When I hear about the idol industry, it's usually horror stories, and this no, is all just like, no, it's very It's about nice. self-expression. Where an <laughs> agency makes you pose in a swimsuit, and that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some subtexts yeah. here. It's like... It's like... Just, I don't know. <laughs> Made me feel, like I said, a little uncomfortable. But, you know, at the same time, there's, like, also sort of, like, a charm to, like, how, like, I don't know if wholesome is the right word for it, because it's not exactly quite wholesome. 
but there is like a little bit of like, hey, it's just a bunch of kids like putting on yeah, a show. Exactly. Like, like kind of a cornball charm to it that like does like you know kind of won yeah. me over. Yeah, even the battles have a, a real like showbiz kind of look to them. Everyone's got their names <laughs> up in the lights, and you're switching your characters in and out. There's a big yeah. No, I, I it's fun in when it's when you're also fighting demons. I think like <laughs> just add fighting demons and yeah. everything becomes wholesome. <laughs> what I've played a uh, you know very like pop idol heavy uh jrpg that was not tied uh directly to uh um smt fire emblem probably not but <laughs> well robert thank you for joining us yeah it was, uh, it was a pleasure yeah and uh in the next episode we're gonna be uh getting through uh kind of the meat of the game i wonder who the final boss will be could it be I don't know. I'm not <laughs> going to give it away. But if you've ever played... <laughs> there was one final boss for a Fire Emblem game. <laughs> yes, if you ever played a Fire Emblem game, you may have your suspicions. Anyway. Thanks, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been Megaton Marathon. Uh, anything you guys want to plug before we... Uh, Sign off here. <clears throat> I should have gotten some, something to plug before I came on. So you know, check out my SoundCloud. Uh, don't got it. Oh, yeah, SoundCloud rapping. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah I can try. I'll just be really bad at it. Yeah. Just check out SoundCloud. Yeah, just check it out in general. Lots of uh, great <laughs> artists on there. <laughs> you can do worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> something else you could do is uh, go to megatonmarathon.com you'll find links to our Facebook and Twitter and uh, you can rate and review us on um, iTunes which would be much appreciated and on uh, Google Play Store I think has rate- yeah, they, yeah. reviews and ratings too okay cool yeah both of those places would be great So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a couple weeks.